my goodness, guys, we did it. Here it is. Episode 20. We've reached the pinnacle, the summit. We're here. I'm skipping the normal beginning. You know who I am. And I'll tell you what, for those of you who've come with me on this journey, I just can't even say enough about my love and gratitude for just being willing to trust me and come with me and dig into some really hard stuff. We've been on a grueling hike, like I keep saying, and we are at the top. We are just standing on the top of the mountain now, taking in the glorious landscape. And and I'll tell you what, as great as, as episode 19 was, all of that talk about joy, which is so soul-filling and inspiring and just so amazing, I really think this one is going to end it even bigger. It, it's just even bigger for me. In fact, I'm praying so hard. You have no idea in my heart that the words will come out, right? Um, To just do it justice. This needs to end with a bang, like I said. (laughs) So to describe where we need to go today, we're going to start with a dream. And it's a dream that's found in the Book of Mormon, right in the beginning. A prophet named Lehi records a dream that he had. Now, it actually has a lot of different elements, but we're only going to focus in on the first part. He says in 1 Nephi 8, In the Book of Mormon, it came to pass, he says, I saw a man and he was dressed in a white robe and he came and he stood before me and he spoke to Lehi and said, follow me. And so Lehi began to follow this man in his dream. And he said, as I followed him, I beheld that I was in a dark and dreary waste. Interesting terms, isn't it? A dark and dreary waste. And after I had traveled for the space of many hours in darkness In his dream, he had just walked and walked in darkness for all these hours. He said, finally, I began to pray unto the Lord that he would have mercy on me according to the multitude of his tender mercies. Take me out of this darkness, out of this dark and dreary waste. And then he says, and it came to pass after I had prayed unto the Lord, I beheld a large and spacious field. And in the middle of that field was a tree. Now, this wasn't just any tree. He describes it as a tree whose fruit was desirable to make one happy. He says, as I went forth and I tasted this fruit for me, for myself, he said, I beheld it was most sweet above all I had ever before tasted. Yea, and I beheld the fruit thereof was white to exceed all the whiteness that I had ever seen. And as I partook of the fruit thereof, listen to this. It filled my soul with exceedingly great joy. Wherefore, I began to be desirous that my family should partake of it also, for I knew that it was desirable above all other fruit. So look at already the details that are coming to light in this dream. He'd been traveling in darkness for a very, very long time. It's like us in our spiritual deadness, our emptiness. We've found a few things to kind of numb it, or to distract us from it, but it's still there. Like we just, we know in those quiet moments in the middle of the night or just here and there, we sense that emptiness has never fully gone away. And like Lehi, we too in this journey have cried out to the Lord for rescue from our deadness, our darkness. And he says he came to this tree and it was a tree whose fruit made one happy that was so sweet and so white filled him with joy 
Now, the cool part about this dream is that Lehi also offers the interpretation. He's given the interpretation. It's like Joseph of Egypt. I'm not just going to give you this dream. I'm going to tell you what it means. You would think, what would you think that fruit represents? That fruit that he partook of that so filled him. Look at all the things we've talked about so far on this journey. About life igniting a flame inside our hearts so bright and brilliant that it's everlasting. Joy that is so powerful and so strong and so consuming that it doesn't even matter what we go through. It will remain. All these things feel like they could be the fruit, right? But that's not what the fruit represents on this tree. The tree of life, it's called. The tree of life was a representation, it says in 1 Nephi 11, of the love of God. And it says, wherefore, this love is the most desirable above all things, yea, and the most joyous to the soul. God's love. Here we come at the summit. That is what we're going to find at the end of our journey. That is the ultimate jewel in the treasure chest, the ultimate key to our spiritual rebirth, because really our whole purpose of coming to Christ and seeking to know him. Yes, we've sought his healing. We've sought to be purified and changed and transformed. We've sought his power to bring us to life again, to fill us with joy, but more desirable than any of that, it says. The thing that's most joyous to our soul, the very key to the happiness, every kind of happiness we could possibly imagine is to experience his love on a personal, intimate level to know it for ourselves. It reminds me of John 15. We've been there. We've been there a lot. We went there last episode where he's talking about abiding in him. He's talking about abiding in his joy. But then he brings love into it as well. In verses 9 and 10, Christ says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. He says, If you keep my commandments, you're going to abide in my love even as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. Listen to that language. Continue in his love. Abide in his love. What we're talking about in this episode isn't just tasting his love, just having a little wave of it wash over us, which probably many of us have had happen many times throughout our lives. I hope. That's why we're Christians. That's why we follow him is we've had little glimpses of his love for us, or at least felt some sort of pull toward him that has made us continue to follow him. What I'm talking about in this episode is again, a new level. This is a level that's everlasting. Like we've been talking about with life and with joy. This isn't just little flickers of it every once in a while. And then we're back to the grind and back to the emptiness and back to the deadness. And then we just have to hold on to that nugget because, man, I felt it a while ago. I felt it a year ago. I felt it. No, this is different. This is an entering in and abiding in his love, a living in it. He says, continue in it. Continue me in my love. You can live in it, swim in it. You can just lose yourself in the love of Christ. As we abide in him, this is the ultimate Thing that brings our soul to life is to know his love. 
to know his love. Think about Romans 8. You probably, maybe you already were thinking of that if you know the scriptures well. Romans 8, 35, Paul says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? There is nothing that can separate you from this love. Once you've entered in, as long as you cling to Christ for the rest of your life, you're going to be the beneficiary of his soul-filling love. Paul says, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at this gift. Like, guys, just take a minute, breathe, soak it in. A love that never, ever will leave us ever again. Um... The thing that struck me struck me as I've pondered this is I think in our culture and in our day and age, it's it's often human love that is celebrated as most desirable above all things. It's the fruit of the tree of life is finding that person that completes you, finding that person that fills you. It's every chick flick out there, every romance novel, like every story is always about Romeo and Juliet. It's all about human love as the pinnacle of human experience. And yes, yes, it's a very intoxicating thing to fall in love. Like we we are made to find love on this earth. Um, whether it's with our person or with even with deep um, love for loved ones, parents, siblings, friends, we're, we're meant to experience human love on a very profound level. But we need to be careful and not get sucked in by our, our culture that says, that's the ultimate thing that will fill you. Because here we're told in scripture over and over and over that the most soul renewing, joy producing thing that we can experience in life, it isn't human love. It's Christ's love. Um, the hard part is, I mean, a lot of us up to this point, if I ask you, what is the love that has most captured your soul? What is the love that is part of your sweetest memories that holds the greatest significance in your heart. I mean, most of the time, I think a lot of us would probably say it has been for a person, not God. Like our deepest memories and our deepest um, feelings are tied to human love. And here we are being told that this love's going to transcend even that. Stepping into this place where we know Christ's love, where we don't just know about it, we don't just testify that he loves us and use the words to talk about it. I'm talking about something very different. I'm talking about entering into the actual experience of his love for us personally. Knowing it, feeling it, tasting it, not just a little glimpse of it. Moving into this place where we know and feel it every single moment of every single day. Where we literally in our heart, are swept up into his arms and wrapped up in the sweetness of his embrace in a way that stays with us. I mean, for me, that is not something I had ever experienced. I like can intellectually tell you that he loved me. I've been told that in so many lessons and talks and sermons and messages that he lo- I knew God loved me, but this is different. 
as I drew nearer to him, as I left behind my other lovers like Gomer and just gave my heart to my Hosea and just said, okay, I'm all in. (laughs) I just, I want nothing more to abide in you and to know you. I didn't quite understand that what was going to come with that was a relationship of deep, deeply satisfying love that I would truly begin to sense for the first time in, in my life how much he loved me in my mess, in my imperfectness, in my weakness, not because I had earned it, but just because he did. Um, the other thing that struck me is that the reason he his love is so much bigger than human love is because he can love us in a way that no mortal person ever can. I mean, mortal per- people have limitations, right? We get grouchy. We get tired of each other. We don't get along or we have days where, yes, we love each other deeply, but but mortal mortal love is finicky sometimes. Um, it's only mortal at best. <laughs> Besides, even more than that, he can live in me. So that means he can be with me no matter where I am. My husband can't do that every minute of every day in me to just pour out that love over and over and over whenever I need comfort or soothing, whenever I just need to know that someone is there. Maybe a human person can't be there, but he always can. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He knows exactly what we need, exactly how to satisfy our hearts. On the very deepest level. This love, again, guys, a whole different experience. And it's something we can continue in, he says in John 15. And live in, abide in my love. Live in it. Stay there. Have it feed your soul continually. Nothing will light our lamp more than that. Joy is amazing. I'm, I love to feel joy. I'm so thankful for that gift that we just talked about in the last episode. But this one, oh, to feel his love continually, I almost can't even, again, find words to describe it. I, I love how Paul talks about it in Ephesians 3. It's one of my very favorite places in scripture to go to talk about this particular subject. And I'm, I'm going to admit, in the message translation, there's just something about how he puts it. Um, This is Ephesians 3. The whole prayer is verses 27 to 29. But listen to this one specific verse in the message. Paul says this, and he's he's talking about how he's praying for us. He says, I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives. Full in the fullness of God. Oh my heavens. What a beautiful, beautiful verse. That you'll be able to take in, he says, the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out. Feel it. Experience it. Rise to the heights. Like, test it. It's bigger and deeper and wider and taller and higher than you've ever dreamt possible. Just step into that place. 
and test the dimensions of his love. It'll make human love pale in comparison, as great as human love is. And as much as it blesses us, this is a different level entirely. Um, What began to happen to me as I began to experience this, I just, I realized that I didn't have my eyes open to see it. It was there all along in so many different ways. And once my eyes began to be opened, I mean, I could feel it in a sunrise, just standing at the window, looking at a sunrise in the lyrics of a song in just the smile of my child and his love just began to pour out on me in all of these beautiful, beautiful ways where there were just these intimate little moments where I knew it was him and I could just feel that love pouring out into my soul. I finally, I don't know. I don't remember when I started this, but in the back of my scriptures, I found just kind of a blank page, kind of the very back cover. And I started making a list. And if anyone else were ever to open my scriptures and look at that list, it would make no sense to them. But it's this list over the years of all these little moments, big and small. Some were grand, unbelievably overwhelming, where it just consumed me. Others were these quiet, little, tender, sweet moments where his love was just right there. And I began writing down this list so I could treasure it. It's kind of like love notes I save from my husband or, you know, it's the same. Just saving those little moments so I could go back and remember and just hold it tight how deeply that love goes and how personally it was beginning to feel. Um, the other cool part is that it, it isn't just reveling in his love for us, being able to just lose ourselves in it to just be consumed by that love. It's also going to grow in us this love for him that <laughs> that's going to just blow our minds. That's going to consume us and fill us to the degree. Yes, we're going to feel his love, but we're also going to feel this love for him that <laughs> All I can think of are those terms we talked about last episode about joy, unspeakable, full of glory, incomprehensible, um, exquisite, sweet, all those same words that we use to talk about joy. That just, it just fit the love as well that I was just beginning to be flooded with. I think of David in the Psalms. Every time I talk like this, I think of David, he of all scripture writers, David brings the exquisiteness of this love. Um, I was studying it one year and I started to pull out the characteristics of what he was showing in his love for Christ, how he was pouring it out in the Psalms. I saw over and over verses where he praised him. He just sung praises of Christ. Lord, I will praise thee with my whole heart. I will sing praise to thy name. I mean, I'm just quoting various Psalms. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. That's 63. My tongue shall talk of thee all day long. 71. Like he just, he just couldn't talk of him enough. There were other verses in the Psalms where he longs for the Lord. He says in 42, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God. In 63, he says, oh God, my soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee. My soul followeth hard after thee. Can you feel the passion 
in his language. I, I just wanted to use it to kind of capture it. In 84, my soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh, flesh crieth out for the living God. In other Psalms, he talks about how it's become his only desire. In, in 27, he says, one thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord. That's all I want. In 73, my heart is fixed, oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. There's none on earth I desire besides thee, that's 73. And then he talks, I also love, love, love how he talks about the satisfaction he receives from this relationship, how much it means to him. Um, Let's see, 107, for Christ, he's talking about Christ, he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. 119, how sweet are thy words to my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Like he sounds like a man in love, doesn't he? And and maybe in our lives so far, we've only felt that for a human person. We've never felt this kind of passion, a overflowing, consuming love where we just can't stop talking about him or thinking about him or wanting to be with him. But this is what happens when we come to know Christ. He's just so, so amazing that this love's going to grow as we taste his love for us. This love's going to grow in return. That's not just going to fill us, but it's going to spill out onto everyone around us. This love's just going to overflow to those that we come in contact with. Them, with They're just going to know there's something different about us. And it's not just because we're filled with life. And it's not just because we're filled with joy, which we will be. It's because we know his love. And maybe we know it for the first time in our entire lives. We know he knows us. He adores us. He delights in us. That is the pinnacle of the journey. That is the summit of the mountain to know his love. Can you see, hopefully, again, I don't, I don't know that my words have done it justice, but can you see how every single step of this journey was worth it? If that is what we get to live in for the rest of our lives, I'm not talking about sinlessness and I'm not talking about never having things to deal with. We will continue to be human and we will continue to have to have moments where we repent, where we confess, where we come to him and learn from him and and improve and change and, and transform even more. But from here on out, as we have left behind the fig leaves, the, the hiding places, all the coping mechanisms, all the blaming that we've done. We're leaving that all behind and just coming to him, running to him, just grabbing for him with all that we have in us. Look at what we get to experience through knowing him. It's, it's just almost more than my mind can take in. It's worth every sacrifice we've had to make. None of those things we had to give up even matter when we are standing at the foot of the tree of life where we're reaching up and grabbing a piece of fruit and partaking of that love that we were just told is most joyous to the soul 
most desirable above all things on this earth, even human love. His love can just grow our heart about 10 sizes bigger than it is. That, that is the true gift of Christ. Oh my goodness, you guys. Thank you so much for coming with me in this season. I keep thinking as we close out this episode and this entire season, I keep thinking of the woman at the well and how he offered her living water that, that where she would never thirst again. And she, she looked at him and went, what kind of water can you give me where I could never thirst? He says, oh, the water I shall give you will be a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. Can you see that in a whole different way now? Can you see how everything he has to fill us by being in us, all that he brings with him, his love, his joy, his life bursting in us. Do you see how we can never hunger and never thirst ever again? Do you see how we can be filled in a way that that darkness is just a thing of the past? Like Lehi's dream we were talking about, that dark and dreary waste, it's gone because we're now being invited to stay at the foot of the tree of life. We don't just have to eat a bite and go back into the darkness. Now we get to stay as long as we cling to Christ. That is what this is about. I, uh, oh, I'm so emotional. I'm so sorry. I felt very strongly that for now, this is the end um, of my podcast. For right now, I don't know if it'll be forever or I don't know if it'll just be for a year or what, but I need to set it aside and focus on some other things. So, I can't think of a better way to end. Um, This truly is my life message. Um, And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have laid this out and just tried to describe a journey that to me has meant everything that I hope also becomes your journey and your own message so that then all of us can just be lit up for him and draw others to this same summit so that they can see it for themselves. Thank you so much for being with me. I'll still be on my YouTube channel. You can still find me on my website. But for now, I just pray with all my heart that this is already becoming your reality, that knowing Christ will become your single focus and that tasting his love will be the greatest blessing that you've ever experienced in your entire life. Love you so much. Thank you for joining me and best wishes on the rest of your life journey.